Today's episode is a rebroadcast of week one of our Maverick series, where over the next three weeks we'll discover three biblical stories to break free from three cages we find ourselves trapped in when it comes to pursuing a passionate relationship with God. And through it all, I'll show you how the Holy Spirit works in every single circumstance. Get ready to learn and grow. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome. We're super pumped that you're here. We're doing a brand new series, and it's going to be something that is a little bit different. So let me give you a start off by telling you that the the Celtic Christians, okay, those from Scotland, they had a name for the Holy Spirit, and it resonated with me. It intrigued me to pin this series, and they call him On God Gloss, meaning the wild goose. Now, if you see Top Gun, I'd say the Holy Spirit is more like Maverick than Goose. But either way, Maverick in the movies or the Celtic wild goose both provide this awesome imagery for the Spirit of God, meaning he cannot be tracked, he cannot be tamed. And there's this like element of risk with him. He's got this air of unpredictability surrounding him. And, and while the comparison names might sound like sacrilegious in an earshot to be like, oh, we're calling God a goose, uh, I can't think of a better description, though, that says to you and I what it is actually like to pursue the Spirit's leading than the life of a maverick, than the experience of a wild goose chase. Now, did you know that the definition of maverick means a free spirit? Yeah, I planned this, y'all, right? So that's not just a coincidence. To me, it is who the Spirit of God is, that he is free to move outside and operate outside of our norms. He leads us unexpectedly and down unexpected paths. And I'd say uh, he, because he's not an it, he is part of the triune God. The Spirit of God is not an it. And I see this, and I wonder, as we look at this wild goose, this ungun gloss, like, were those Celtic Christians onto something? Were they onto something that sometimes the institutionalized Christianity has missed out on? When they called the Holy Spirit ungun gloss, they, they didn't devalue him in the, the Trinity, Right? They were in awe of him. They were in awe of his power and the way that he moved. And I wonder if we in America maybe have clipped his wings or settled for something less, way less than what God originally intended for us as New Testament believers to experience. Now, I understand when I say wild goose or the flight chaining exercises led by Maverick, they both kind of feel like, uh, those are purposeless endeavors, right? Uh, They don't have a divine destination, no target, no mission. But chasing the wild goose is different. The promptings of the Holy Spirit can seem pretty obscure, even though, you know, it it might seem pointless at times. Rest assured that God always has a plan. God is always working a plan. He has a plan that he is working out in your life, and he's going to take you places that you never had imagined if you will trust him. He's going to take you down some paths that you never even knew existed. So the series is intended to help you passionately pursue God under the influence of the power of the Holy Spirit. So let me say that again. We're going to study over the next three weeks a passionate pursuit of God. Say, I will will. 
Pursue God. All right, now you got to come back next week because you just told me you would. Listen, that pursuit involves this maverick Holy Spirit. You can't do life without him. You can't pursue life without him. And, and some of us have been wandering like around for a little bit and you're kind of back in the seat of church and, and, and God needs to use the, the angang glass to ignite you, to get you back to life with him this morning. So hear me, I don't know a single Christ follower who hasn't gotten stressed out about finding the will of God for their life. Anybody ever been in that boat? Like we can be in relationship with him and know cognitively that we're walking in the will of God, but... That doesn't always answer, God, what am I doing with my life, right? Or what am I supposed to do? Or God, where am I supposed to go? Or how am I supposed to get there? I love that word, how, because Scott Hunter says, I need to know the how, right? And then the Lord reminds us what Jesus said to us in John 14, 26. The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything. Everything? Everything. And he will remind you of everything that I have taught you. So sometimes I think, I don't want to listen to that still small voice because he might speak something that I just don't want to hear. Right? Most of us won't calm down enough and block out the screen time enough to even quiet ourselves to hear him, even if we want to. So to try to make God to fit into the contents of our cerebral cortex is what most of us do. We try to reduce God to just the logical left side of the brain. But the will of God is not linear. The will of God is not always logical. That's why there's faith. But having faith doesn't mean that it makes God's will any less confusing or complicated for us. Part of us feel as if something is spiritually wrong when we, when we exercise circumstantial uncertainty meaning I'm not 100% of understanding what's happening in my circumstances, God. What's up, right? Ever been, anybody ever been there? That makes sense? Anyone ever seen a moment where like life looks way too messy and you think, how in the world is God operating in this? Yeah, every day of my life, right? So we say, well, I can't understand my circumstances, and so everything can't fall into place because my life needs to be neat. My life needs to be organized. My needs I'm type A. I get this. But that's precisely what Jesus promised would not happen with us if we do not give our lives over to him. It's not going to be perfect. He says you've got to be born of the Spirit. And so being born of the Spirit means we have to start following him. And because we walk in this walk with him, things are not going to pan out exactly like we expect. The Holy Spirit a little unpredictable, right? Honestly, most of us have no idea what we're doing half the time. And I know this is unsettling because I am type A. I might be artsy and creative, but dude, I'm also super organized. And I love when the systems that I set up work. I love systems. I love to operate in them. I love to see the outcome that I have projected show up, come to fruition. But then there's the Lord. And then he says things like to me, like, hey, Enjoy the circumstantial uncertainty. But that circumstantial uncertainty also goes by another name, and it's called adventure. There's nothing more unnerving or disorienting than chasing after the passionate pursuit of God, the thing that he's dropped in your heart. When you go after that thing, 
it is not going to be just this easy cakewalk. It's, it's a little unsettling. So now if you take the Holy Spirit, though, out of my life, my life is boring, right? But if you add him into the mix, you never know who you're going to meet. You never know what you're going to get to do in this life. You never know what amazing things in the places that you'll go with the maverick on God gloss. All bets are off. And see, the sooner that we come to grips with that spirituality, then the more we will actually enjoy the journey. Now, I cannot promise you that through the next few weeks in this series, you're going to get status quo Christianity or the certainty of how God will move in this little box we'd like to put him in in this series. But I promise you, if you will follow me, and I promise you, if you just get a little bit maverick and you go on this wild goose chase with me, anything we do here, anything that is said here, will not be boring, okay? So my encouragement to you is, is embrace this. Embrace the, the mystery. Embrace this hint of unpredictability. We'll put it that way. And I, I'd pray that you too then might find that spirit, that free spirit maverick relationship of God that I think a lot of you have been waiting for. Let me ask you something without you raising your hands, okay? This is rhetorical, so... Don't be the person that raises your hand. All right? Is your walk with God a bore? Are you bored with the walk that you are doing in relationship, or are you not doing a relationship and just kind of playing church? Are you bored? If you would describe your relationship with God as anything less than adventurous, then maybe... You think that you're following the Spirit, but you've actually settled for something less, something that I call inverted Christianity, meaning instead of following the Spirit, we invite the Spirit to follow us, right? So instead of following God's purposes, we want Him to serve our purposes. And while this may seem like this like subtle distinction, and you're like, I'm just playing with words here, there's a really big difference in the way that I am arranging these words, because the result of inverted Christianity with God is not just a self-absorbed spirituality that leaves you feeling empty, but it's also the difference between you having spiritual boredom and you living a spiritual adventure. So let me put it this way. <laughs> what if we could only see a goose in a zoo? Right? That might be kind of good for me because at this time of year they come back here and they hang out the retaining pond and they leave me little tootsie rolls all over my sidewalk that I step in. So if you see me punch a goose, it has nothing to do with the Spirit of God. But I digress. But what if we caged the wild goose? See, I wonder if that's what some churches do to people like how zoos do to wild animals sometimes. Listen, I love the church. I bleed the church. I just got done with a series that says, I love my church, and my church what? Loves me, and that's right. But hear me, maybe you grew up in a really liturgical setting, or you did some re like religious, ritualistic things that you didn't even know why you were doing them, or you went to a, a really rule-driven kind of place, and they made you jump through hoops that you didn't even need to jump through, or just kind of felt like a country club. You were there to be seen. Maybe that cage has influenced you to keep God in this little cage so that you can just look at him when you want to. You can kind of control him. Well, this is the spirit of God. You're, you're good little goose. Yes, you are. Good little goose, right? I'm here to blow up that cage over the next three weeks. Too often, 
people take, or people try to take people out of like their, their natural habitat and kind of tame them in the name of Jesus Christ, this is the way that we shall do church, right? They try to remove the risk. They try to remove that vulnerability of you getting intimate on a one-on-one relationship with the God of the universe. Where God isn't leading you Monday through Saturday. That's the church job to do on Sunday. No, 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 no. an adventure, so that what you, you do here on Sunday, you take, you learn, and you go out, and you live out every single day. And not only do we live out every single day what we learn here on a Sunday, but we investigate him on our own time. We learn from him by reading his word and praying, and we talk to him throughout the week. See, that kind of dynamic, it changes things up a little bit, doesn't it? That's why this church is trying to teach you Adventure is out there. Don't be a caged Christian. Be free range. Hashtag free range Christian. Just invented that, put in that sucker on t-shirt. Hallelujah. Told you I was right brain. Listen, I'm not knocking other churches. Listen, I believe that there's a church for everybody's personality, right? But I believe that you came here because maybe you were in search of something a little bit more than what maybe you've experienced in the past. Something different, something a little edgier. Good for you. You found it, right? So I want to follow the advice of Rooster, Goose's son in the movie Maverick. When he says back to Maverick, spoiler alert, he's got to turn this plane around and go back and save Maverick from enemy territory. And he says something to Maverick when he lands and he crashes and they run face to face. It's that moment in the snow. And he says, you told me not to think. See, prior to this mission, he kept telling Rooster, Maverick says, get over your hang-ups. You've already learned how to maneuver the plane. You understand the mission ahead. Now just fly. Stop trying to overthink everything. Just fly. Stop over- overthink everything in your life. Just fly. And because of that, Rooster faces death, and he says, I'm going to be living my own life. I'm going to be living on mission no matter what the cost. My question is, are you? My favorite Mark Battison book is Chase the Lion, and it retells the story of ben that where God says to him, or he records this, this moment where ben one of David's mighty men of valor, chases down a 500-pound beast, a lion. Place in our life and the glory that rightfully belongs to him. It's the reason why I have a lion tattooed on my arm, because it says, Scott, don't live as if the purpose of your life is just to arrive safely at death. Chase the lion. No guts. No glory. Chase the wild goose. Go where he leads. So let me take that a step further. Do the same. But I want you to begin to do even greater. Let's fly. Embrace this series. Let's take a grand adventure together where we chase the trackless, matchless goose of heaven. I want you to learn to escape a cage yourself and live out a spiritual adventure that God has destined you to do. So what I'm going to do over these next three weeks, I'm going to give you three biblical stories 
to help you bust out of and break free from three individual cages that have locked us in about the way that we think about God, the way that we think about pursuing him and chasing after the wild goose. Because what we're going to do is, again, go after pursuing a passionate relationship with God. And I will show you how the Spirit of God works in all of those things. So today is the first, and I'm going to wrap up today and give me a few more minutes of your attention. And here's what I want to talk about. The first cage is this. It is the cage of responsibility. Now, don't get mad and don't tune me out. I'm not pushing socialism, laziness, or just straight-up irresponsibility. But I want you to hear this. Over the course of our lifetime, God-ordained passions tend to get buried beneath day-to-day responsibilities. The hustle and bustle of the to-do list trumps what God says you are put on this earth to do a whole lot of the time. Less important responsibilities displace the important ones. And our responsibilities, sometimes they become these spiritual excuses to keep us from the adventure that God's destined us to live. Without even knowing it, we begin to practice what I call (laughs) irresponsible responsibility. The wild goose chase begins when we come to terms with our greatest responsibility, which is pursuing the passion that God has put in you. Do you understand that passion that you feel like you were supposed to accomplish on this earth is there for a reason? It's because God has dropped it in your heart. That is why you were here on this earth to to do great things for him in his name, for his name, by his name, in his strength, to change the world. And no one else is going to do it but you because he put that passion in you. So when we step back from that, man, we get in a mess and we see this kind of mistake made by this guy who encounters Jesus Christ. Look at Luke 9, 57 through 60. So Jesus is walking along and someone says to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go, Jesus. But he replied, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to even lay his head, meaning we go everywhere, my friends. It's not an easy ride. We don't have a home. It's not cushy. And he says to that person, he says, come follow me. And the man agreed, but the, he said, Lord, first let's, let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go preach about the kingdom of God. See, when I read this story, and I read it my whole life, like, it seems innocent enough, but I read it, and I'm like, dude, Jesus, that's a little harsh, right, bro? Like, he just needs to bury his dad. But see, Jesus right here in this moment is seeing through the spiritual smoke screen, okay? So he, he's taking this man, and he's saying, listen, I hear you, but what you're doing is you're turning a responsibility into an excuse not to actually have to follow Christ. It's a delay tactic. It was allowing a good thing but ultimately a less important thing to get in the way of his greatest responsibility in life, which is following Christ Jesus. And we we do the same. There's a reason why that story's in the scripture, because we turn responsibilities into excuses. I do it, you do it. And And when we take those responsibilities and we let them become the priority of our life, it becomes this form of, irresponsibility. They keep you from chasing the wild goose, from listening to that charge of the Spirit of God inside of you, telling you to take a risk, step out in faith, do something greater for me, he says, for my name and for my glory. And I say to you, the only way out is this, responsible irresponsibility. 
responsible irresponsibility. What do I mean? Sometimes the will of God feels downright irresponsible. Do you think it made logical sense for me to come plant a church, leave my wife in Cincinnati to move in with my mom and my dad and work at her job to help pay our bills so I could get this place off the ground with my brother and wait down here and leave her up there while she applied until she could get a state job here? That does not sound responsible. My wife's boss told my wife, you need to divorce your husband. It was lonely during that time. It was trying. It was difficult. But it was right. And it was rewarding. And you're sitting here today because Tabitha obeyed, because I obeyed, and we chased the wild goose's calling. You and I are called to make decision, to make a decision here, or to take a course of action sometimes, that sometimes literally looks like it makes no sense at all. And if you do that, the people closest to you are going to think you're a wacko. I got of that a lot. Like, you're moving from New York City to be a youth pastor? You're moving where? Tallahassee? Like, what's there? Right? You go in there to be a church planner? But responsible irresponsibility means refusing to allow your human responsibility to get in the way of pursuing the passions God puts in your heart. Enter Nehemiah, one of my favorites of all the Bible. So I'm going to close out with a story today, and I'm going to show you how he chases, how he follows that passionate pursuit that God has put in him to go and to do. Now, Nehemiah is the cupbearer, the king of Babylon. He's a Jew. He is exiled. And Nehemiah has this encounter where his brother shows up and gives him a report about what's been happening back in Jerusalem. Here it goes. This is his story. Nehemiah 1 through 10. They said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. So there's a first remnant that went back. Things are not going good. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. He said, when I heard this, I sat down and I wept. In fact, I mourned for days. I fasted and then I began to pray to the God of heaven. And then I said, oh Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love and obey his commands. Listen to my prayer. Look down on me and see me praying night and day for your people of Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, the decrees, the regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. That's why they're exiled. But he says, please remember what you told your servant Moses. Hmm. If you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return, if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, that even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. You may feel like you have been exiled for the last month or few years. And I'm telling you, he's called you back. And he says to you today, you are here to be the person who declares my name again in your life. The people 
You rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. O Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. In those days, I was the king's cupbearer. He was the guy that drank the juice to make sure it wasn't poisoned so the king didn't die. That was his job. Backstory. In 586 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar came in to Judah, the lower half of the kingdom of Israel. He conquered it, captured Jerusalem, took a bunch of the survivors back to him to Babylon, right? So then 50 years later, a Jew named Zerubbabel went back and he rebuilt the temple of God. But then the gates are still down. The walls of Jerusalem are still in ruins. That means, that means Jerusalem was defenseless to all of its enemies. So that's when this Jewish cupbearer, who's literally like thousands of miles away, has a broken heart for something that he may never even have seen. He grew up in Babylon exile. And God breaks his heart, and he has this crazy, spirit-given dream, the spirit-given idea to go and rebuild the walls, protect the city of God. Mm, he's a cupbearer. Can you say unqualified? He is not an architect. He is not a general contractor. I don't know if he's even seen Jerusalem, and you think, why him? Maybe you say to yourself, why me? God chooses to use those who will seize God-ordained passions that might seem just a little bit crazy or might seem just a little bit irresponsible because it's those people like that cupbearer thousands of miles away that truly make a difference and change this world. See, when God puts a passion in your heart, you need to take responsibility for it. It's there for a reason. It's yours. And that's the gap. See, I think that's why the kingdom of God doesn't always advance. Because I think he puts something in our heart, and we don't really live that spiritual adventure, and we just don't act on the passion that God has put in our heart for us to accomplish. If it's serving the homeless population, or working in inner city education, or changing the face of an entire generation by you going and helping or teaching in Genesis Kids with Pastor Rachel on a Sunday morning, whatever that passion is, you have to act on it. Thinking about it, praying about it, that's great. But you have to act on it. I do love what Nehemiah does. See, he sees a problem and he owns it. He becomes the solution. And here's how it shakes down. Nehemiah stands before the king and says nothing. And so the king asked me, verse 2, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. And Nehemiah tells him that he's burdened and he's got this impossible task and this impossible ask that he's about to drop. Like, it's ridiculous. And the king says to him, well, how can I help you? Can you see how God answers prayer? That's what he prayed, to have favor in the king's eyes, that the king would have kindness towards him. With a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, if it is if it pleases you, king, and you're pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. And the king with the queen sitting behind him asked, well, how long you will you be gone? When will you return? <laughs> After I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. 
I also said to the king, if it pleased the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors of the province of west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through their territories on my way to Judah. Get a little bit brassy here. Here we go. And then eight, he says, and please give me a letter addressed to Asaph, the manager of the king's force, instructing him to give me timber. Give me all the supplies. I will need to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress, for the city walls, and for a house for myself. And the king granted these requests because the gracious hand of God was on me. Do you understand? When your passion looks impossible, great, it's not yours. It's yours to steward. But God put it there. And if God created it, God will sustain it. Not only will he make a way where there is no way, but he's going to give you protection (laughs) and he's going to give you provision of the resources that you need to get it done. See, not only did Jeremiah go and rebuild the walls, he rebuilt the walls while he was under attack of all these people who hated the Jews. All the enemies came out, but he finished this task that should have taken years and years and years and years. He did it in 52 days. Why? Because he chased the plan of the maverick goose. He listened to the heart of the Lord. What broke his heart broke Nehemiah's heart. And not only did he make it happen, but he used this unskilled cupbearer, Nehemiah, and the small remnant of people that were there that the enemy was constantly trying to attack to get it all done. I love Nehemiah 4, 17. It says, the laborers carried on their work with one hand supporting their load and the other hand holding a weapon. Building with a rock, hanging some gates, pitchfork in the other. Love it. What am I getting at? When you step out on faith, it's going to be a battle. You're going to have to fight. You're going to have to fight back that, that day-to-day responsibility stuff, always overcoming what is the most important, the hustle and bustle of just finding things to do and getting kids to travel ball and, and, and being at every ballet recital and like every single thing that you do for the school board and all these things are good, but like where, where does God fit into the mix? Where's his space? The hustle and bustle of busyness will triumph if you do not hold a tool in one hand and your weapon in the other. Be prepared to wage war against the enemy when you step out in faith. He's going to try to get you to quit. I can't tell you how many times a month, I just want to throw in the towel. He wants to try to get you to be tired in the process, to get miserable in the journey. He wants to get you to grow weary, doing the grunt work, and be like, this is just, just is it worth it? And when you start thinking those thoughts, and when the, un- <laughs> when the enemy comes in at you, you quote Nehemiah, and you stand tall, And this is what you tell his sorry tale. Verse 18, the gracious hand of God has been on me. The Spirit of God rests on me. The Spirit of God empowers me. And verse 20, the will of God, the God of heaven, he will help me succeed. We will succeed. There is no stopping God's plan. So blow up the cage. Get a little maverick in your walk. 
believe that you are able to do above and beyond what you think is possible because God is working all things for your good and God is working with you and in you and he's by your side. It's time to get back to living life. It's time to get back to doing ministry instead of doing everything else. God has a call on your life. God is putting a passion in your heart. Plug into it. Get in with the purpose that he has given you so that you can go and live that out. It's time to chase after the wild goose and listen to his call. It's time for you to soar. It's time for you to be a little bit of a maverick. This has been another podcast of GenesisChurch.tv with Scott Hunter, lead pastor of Genesis Church in Tallahassee, Florida. Tune in each Sunday at 929 or 1101 on YouTube, Vimeo, Facebook, and live.genesischurch.tv or visit us in person at 4070 Mission Road here in Tallahassee. Catch us for weekly messages and midweek interviews and encouragement here on the GenesisChurch.tv podcast.